Hi, I'm Lana. Today we will be reading from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13 to chapter 3 verse 5. It's on page 1049 of the Black Bibles. But we ought to thank the Lord always for you, brothers and sisters loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God has chosen you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and through the belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel so that you might obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold to the traditions you were taught, whether by what we said or what we wrote. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal encouragement and good hope by grace, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good work and word. In addition, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honoured, just as it was with you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen and guard you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will continue to do as we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to God's love and Christ's endurance. Friends, please keep your Bibles open. We'll be looking at that passage quite closely. A beautiful passage that is rich in truth for us. But let me pray to get us started. Heavenly Father and gracious God, we thank you um, for the great truths that we have read. And so we pray that you would implant them into our hearts so we may find stability um, and strength to keep following Jesus until he returns. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Uh, Growing up in Sydney, I used to love catching ferries across Sydney Harbour. Teenagers are with us. Teenagers, anyone been on a ferry over Sydney Harbour? A couple of teenagers, great. Um, I remember one time I was travelling from Manly to Sydney, uh, across the Sydney Harbour on one of these ferries. It started off fine, but then it went horribly wrong. As we travelled out of the protection of North Head, the ferry was hit with a surging swell coming from the open sea. The captain said on the speaker, the seas are fairly strong, you might like to hold on to something. Let's just say fairly strong was an understatement. It was horrific. Uh, The ferry was tossed around like a football on the sea. People were being thrown from left to right inside the cabin. All I could do was hold on tight, close my eyes and pray that I would keep my lunch down. Uh, And so for this 20-minute journey that felt like a lifetime, I was just holding on tight. Before that day, I had never kissed the ground before. But when we made it to the other side, that's what I did. All I wanted to be, all I wanted was security and safety, to be standing on stable ground. It taught me that one of the most beautiful words in the English language is stability. That's because we all share a deep desire for stability. Uh, The dictionary defines stability as a resistance to displacement or a consistency in character that makes us firm and steadfast. But where do we find stability in our faith so that we may keep following Jesus until he returns? 
John Stott, the Christian writer, says this, Stability is due entirely to confidence in the stability of God's loving purpose. It's only because God is steadfast that we can be steadfast too. It's a simple truth that life is unpredictable. People, uh, sorry, that uh, people are unpredictable, life is uncertain, and we are far more fragile than we like to admit. And following Jesus adds particular challenges to life. We've seen in the last week, uh, two weeks, that there's the challenges of persecution and suffering for Jesus. There's the challenge of false teachers and being deceived by others. And while these are external truths that press on us, this week we see the greatest challenge. It's the internal challenge, the challenge of our own hearts. The longer we follow Jesus, the more that we will face struggles. The longer that we face Jesus, the more questions we will have. The longer we follow Jesus, the more our faith will be tested. When we aren't thriving in our faith but just surviving, will your faith go the distance? When our hearts for Jesus don't burn as bright anymore, will your faith go the distance? When the truths of the gospel aren't as sweet, when we face trials and temptations again and again, friends, how will we stand firm for Jesus? God's word says that we need to look to God and his character. We need to look to the steadfastness of God. We need to look to God to find stability so that we may keep standing firm for Jesus. You see, lifelong disciples of Jesus find stability by holding to the truth and looking to the power of God. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today, the stability that God gives us so we may continue to have faith in him. Uh, We're going to cut our passage three ways this morning. Uh, In verses 13 to 14, there's a motivation to stand firm. In verse 15, there's a command to stand firm. And in verse chapter 3, verse 5, there's an example to stand firm. So let's jump into the first one, a motivation to stand firm. Uh, this was originally a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a group of Christians doing it tough and needing stability. Remember, they were experienced suffering and strong oppositions. People were saying that Jesus has already returned. And now uh, they kind of are facing that internal struggle that wrestle. They feel like um, a boat that's being tossed back and forth by the wind and the waves. And so Paul gives them a motivation to stand firm. Have a look at verse 13. But we ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters, loved by God, because from the beginning God has chosen you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Gratitude is one of the key markers of being a Christian. And Paul is filled with gratitude to God because the salvation of the Thessalonians rests on two of the most beautiful eternal truths. You ready for them? God chose them and God called them. Let's look at those two now. God chose them. He chose them from the beginning. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says the same thing. 
It says, for he, that's God, chose us in him, that's Jesus, for God chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. God is eternal. And in eternity past, before the earth, before humans, before life itself, God chose them to be his people so they will be saved from the future judgment of God. And God saved them through the spirit and belief in the truth. The spirit and the belief are not results of their salvation. Paul says it's the means or the method by which they're saved. Why spirit and truth? Because by nature we believe the lie. This is how Paul describes it in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. Paul here is not talking about physical death because people who sin are still physically alive. He's speaking about spiritual death. Just as one who is dead cannot contact the living, the one who is spiritually dead cannot contact the true and living God. So rather than following God, people follow the ruler of the air. That's Satan, or as Jesus calls him, the father of lies. And so by nature, we follow lies. And this is why the spirit and the truth are the means by which people are saved. God, the Holy Spirit, works in us so that we would believe the truth. He works in our intellect and in our curiosity and even in our insecurities. He changes the disposition of our heart. So the things that we once refused to believe, we now believe, we embrace and we love. Yes, we're still culpable for our sin and responsible. And so we play our part by asking God to forgive us of our sin. That's what we do. But why does all this matter? Well, if our relationship with God rests on our performance, then it's very unstable. But when we trace our salvation to before we even existed, it gives us enormous security. It means your doubts are not greater than God's love for you because he chose you from the beginning. It means your sin and your guilt is not greater than God's grace because he chose you from the beginning. And in the dark night of the soul, when it feels like all hope is lost, God has not abandoned you because God chose you from the beginning. And it's not just something in the past, it's also in the future. Have a look at verse 14. This is that second truth. He called you to this through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul commended the Thessalonians that when he preached the gospel, they didn't receive it just as the words of men, but the words of God. That's because when people preach the gospel, God the Spirit, he calls he invites, he draws people to the Father. And Paul needs the little church in Thessalonica to understand this because their relationship with God, the thing that has brought them suffering and persecution and trials and tribulations, 
It has a goal. It has a destination. It has a purpose to obtain the glory of Jesus. See, when Jesus returns, he will peel back creation with a breath of his mouth. And he will share his glory with everyone that has trusted in him alone for their salvation. Jesus will share his glory with all believers. Friends, let that sink in for a moment. All the things that that King Jesus has promised, all the things that he has currently experienced, will be shared with you when he returns. A perfect body because there is no sickness. Perfect relationships with each other and with God as we stand in his presence. Ruling ruling the new creation under the rule of Christ for all eternity without sin or suffering or shame or death. And that is the sure and certain promise for all who follow Jesus. You see, if eternity rests on the size of our faith, it is very unstable. But if we trace our salvation to the future glory, it gives us enormous security. Just like the last couple of weeks, Paul is is taking our eyes from our current trials and tribulations and pushing us forward to see the return of Jesus so that we would view our struggles in light of Jesus' return. You see, if God um, intends for you to receive glory, he will never abandon or forsake you. If God intends you and his purpose for you is to share in the glories of Jesus, suffering and persecution will not take that away. It means that our trials and our tribulations are not meaningless or in vain, but they have purpose. Some Christians like to use God's calling and choosing to debate, to debate who's in and outside of the kingdom. But notice that Paul doesn't use this as a debate. It's a single sentence that takes us from eternity past to eternity future so that today, whether we are strong or thin in our faith, we would find security in Jesus. This week I've been researching the most secure places on earth and I came across this place. Uh, Forgive me for my um, terrible pronunciation. Svlavad, let's go with that, Svlavad Global Seed Vault. Okay, it's in Greenland. It's in a secure location that is secret, so you can't find it, but trust me, it exists. It's built 150 metres into a mountain And it contains a sample of nearly every seed and the DNA of most animals. It keeps it safe, stable and secure until the end of time. It's so stable and secure, it it will survive a nuclear attack. They call it the doomsday vault. And And Paul says, for those who believe in Jesus, who trust in him and repent of their sin, their salvation is more secure than that. That our salvation in Jesus is so secure that it will last for eternity. Friends, can I ask you, how do you know that God loves you? How do you know that God will not give up on you? How do you know that your faith is strong enough to make it to the return of Jesus? 
It is because of these two beautiful and eternal truths. God chose you and he called you. In 1987, Henry Dempsey was flying over the Atlantic Ocean and he heard a strange noise in the back of his plane. And so he went out to investigate and the back door of the plane flew open and he fell out, but only halfway. Uh, He grabbed onto the back step of the plane and at 4,000 feet above the Atlantic Ocean, travelling 200 miles an hour, he hung on for his life. When the co-pilot did an emergency landing... Henry Dempsey was still hanging on to the back of the plane and he was alive. This is a news article from back in the day when it happened. My point is this, if that step failed, it doesn't matter how strong Dempsey was, he would have been lost. But since that back step was strong enough to last the whole journey, he was saved. You see, our faith is only as strong as the thing it holds on to. Friends, what is your faith holding on to? When we think about what Paul has already said, God chose us and he called us, we could be fooled into thinking, well, we don't need to do anything. But that's not the message of the Bible. The Bible never says, let go and let God. The Bible never says, nestle with God, don't wrestle. It never says, you are free to sin as much as you want. No, it calls us to dig into truth. Have a look at verse 15. This is our second point. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold to the traditions you were taught, whether by what we said or what we wrote. Paul concludes this little section with a practical instruction to stand firm and hold to the traditions. What traditions have they been taught? Well, they were taught the gospel the saving message of Jesus. And if we go back to verse 14 in particular, it's these two beautiful eternal truths that Paul is speaking about, God choosing and God calling. Paul instructs the Thessalonians to dig their fingers in and wrap their lives around their truth so that this truth, sorry, so they may find stability in their faith and stand firm for Jesus. You see, it's not the strength of their faith that will enable them to go the distance. It's the strength of what they're holding on to. Friends, what is your faith holding on to? Because these two eternal truths speak to us of the character and steadfastness of God, that he will never give up on us that he will always keep his promises and that if we hold on to him and those promises, that God will help us to endure. Just like Henry Dempsey being thrown out of the plane, it was the strength of the step, not his fingers, that enabled him to hold on. And holding firm to the gospel preserves our faith so we may believe in Jesus and follow him until he returns. And this is so important because we live in a culture of rugged individualism. The things that we value, like personal freedom and authenticity and self-expression, they're promoted to primary status in our world. And so we're taught to sacrifice all other things so that we feel free and real and true to ourselves. And whether we're aware of it or not, this creates a self-dependency in us that says you will only find success or fulfilment, or peace in life in the things that you can achieve. 
And the people who feel this the most is our teenagers. This is the water in which they swim. This is the air that they breathe in the culture in which they live. So what happens to our teenagers when they don't succeed, when they don't find fulfilment, when they realise that they can't achieve everything they wish to? What happens when they're swayed by false teaching? What happens when they fall into sin again? You see, the danger is that our teens will put their, they'll look to themselves, that they'll look to self-dependency to try and make it in following Jesus in this life. And they may even give up. And that's a struggle that we all face. Because it's not just our teenagers who are tempted to listen to the lies of self-dependency, but it's us as well. You know, I was just thinking this week that um, uh, for, you know, uh, for people who um, have jobs and work hard, um, it's embedded in us that um, the food on our tables, the houses in which we live, uh, even the town that we stay in is all dependent on, on what we can achieve and do. But friends, don't convince yourself that your salvation is secure in what you can do because self-dependency is a cancer in the Christian life. It starts off small, convincing us that salvation rests on the strength of our faith. It grows as our Christian disciplines become achievements to tick off the list and it will eventually consume you because all the times you have failed will convince you that God is not worthy of your time and energy. But the gospel gives us a bigger and better picture of following Jesus. It's not based on our love for God, but on his love for us. So we don't hold firm to our achievements. We hold firm to the truths of the gospel. We don't um, rest in what we do, but rest in what God has done for us. Uh, last night we had um, this thing called Thanksgiving dinner for church at 6.30. We've started this beautiful new thing where at the end of every year we, we, we celebrate all the things that God has done for us and we pray for all the people that we are sending into other um, towns and other parts of God's kingdom. Uh, and we interviewed uh, some teenagers who, who, were cel- uh, who were really celebrating and sharing that they had finished the HSC uh, and it was beautiful to hear um, uh, of our teenagers how they have, during the HSC, held on to the truths of the gospel and who they are in Jesus Christ, and God has enabled them to stand firm and to keep following him. What a great example our teenagers are to us. For us to keep holding truth, holding firm to the truths that God has given us. You see, we need to be reminded about the mercy of God. We need to be reminded of him choosing us in eternity past, the future glory that awaits so we can feel, can continue to follow him. So friends, do you ever feel uncertain about whether you'll make it to the end? Then hold firm to these truths. What Paul does now is he finishes by giving us an example of stability to follow. Have a look at verse 5. May the Lord direct your hearts to God's love and Christ's endurance. 
God gives us stability, not just through his eternal love for us, but also in the example of his son, Jesus. Christ is the perfect example of stability, of standing firm, of enduring to the end. He endured poverty, suffering, pain, sorrow, rejection, mocking, torture, and even death. And he endured those things so that we may have a secure salvation. He went to the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sin and have the hope of eternal life. And in this beautiful way, when God calls us to stand firm, he calls us to follow the example of Jesus. In Mark 14, you might recall that before the night Jesus was crucified, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. See, in the garden, Jesus looks ahead to the cross. And considering the pain and torture that awaits, he looks to God the Father and considers God's eternal plan of salvation. He rests in the character of God and his steadfastness, in his faithfulness and his ability to keep his promises. And so he joyfully receives the will of the Father and he endures to the end and leaves us a model to follow so that when we suffer for the sake of following Jesus or when we face persecution or when we are tempted and to, to be deceived by others, we look to Jesus. When we are pressed on our hearts of, if, is Jesus following Jesus really worth it? We look to Jesus. When we're tempted to, uh, to turn our back on God, we continue to look to Jesus to follow his example. You see, life is not beer and skills. Following Jesus does not guarantee an easy life. But in this beautiful way, he shows us that we can continue to follow God. We can continue to trust in him by looking to him, uh, to the character of God. You see, Christianity is not white-knuckle self-dependency. It's not alpha male, do what you can to get, make it to the end. It's not like survivor, outwit, outplay, outlast. We find strength and stability in God and his character. A stable faith is one that holds on to the gospel time and time again. Time and time and time again. Time and time, you get my point, right? As John Stott says, stability is due entirely to confidence in the stability of God's loving purpose. It's only because of God is steadfast that we can be steadfast too. So friends, can I ask you, where are you looking for stability in your faith? Are you looking to your own strength? Are you depending on yourself? Or are you looking to Jesus Christ? Are you looking to these beautiful eternal truths that God has called us and God, sorry, God has chose us and God has called us? Are you holding firm to them and are you following the example of Jesus? Because in this beautiful way, there is safety, security and stability as we um, 
hold firm to him and wait for him to return. Let me pray that God would help us to do this. Uh, To finish with, I'll pray verses 16 and 17. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who has loved us and given us eternal encouragement and good hope by grace encourage our hearts and strengthen us in every good work and word until he returns. Amen.